Hi, you are listening to the Life in Paradise podcast with your host Brandon Harper. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Life in Paradise podcast. With me, your host, Brandon Harper. Forget my voice today; it's a little bit crackly and raspy. I think I was doing a lot of yelling over the last couple days. I don't know why else it would be crackly and raspy, but it is. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once a week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with, others you won't, and I am perfectly okay with that. I'm of the opinion that the world would be a lot better place if we could disagree without being disagreeable. And while maintaining a good attitude, while we joke about things like cultural differences, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with laughing about the way we communicate. And you might disagree with that, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Today is Sunday, January 29th, 2023. Bitcoin is rocketing up today. I think it's uh, right around 20, 25,000 maybe, it's 24.5. It's up like 10% today. So if you're not buying Bitcoin, you should be doing so just a little bit every week. Don't even look at the price because one day you'll all come back to me and say, Man, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me to buy it? And I'll say, I tried to. I tried to, but hey, my jet's outside if you want to go ride on it. I'm just kidding. I I probably will never have a jet. But if I do, if I have a jet one day, it will be because I had faith in Bitcoin. That's probably the only way I will ever have a jet. But keep in mind, there's one thing to know about me. It's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. And I'm failing miserably at my goal of keeping my intros to one minute or less. Sit back, relax, and let me run the PowerPoint presentation for about the next 30 to 45 minutes, maybe even an hour. just can't figure out for the life of me why politicians don't act like humans why do they act like these vague ambiguous robots that have no emotions and no thoughts they just regurgitate what they're supposed to say and this applies to like 95 percent maybe 99 percent of politicians it would be very difficult to convince me otherwise But I'm going to get to that later. First, I'm going to talk about something that just hit me last week, like a a shot to the chin at a bar by a drunk guy. It, It hit me right on the chin. I thought, man, I cannot believe I'd never thought of this before. And for those of you that don't know, I do this from Texas, South Texas specifically. And we're real liberal about gun laws here. We don't we don't have a lot of rules when it comes to guns. We encourage people to carry guns. It's not difficult to obtain a gun, which I think are all good things, and you may disagree with that, and that's your opinion too. But just hear me out. Hear me out. Crime statistics are a lot lower where people have guns. 
if you don't believe me, do your own research. But if you look at rural communities in Texas where almost everyone has a gun in their vehicle, the crime is way lower than inner cities where only a select few people have guns. And as Ron White says, there's one thing about Texas. If you come to Texas and you kill somebody, we will kill you back. <laughs> and I think that's true, and I like it. So the, he was referring to the death penalty is what Ron White was talking about. But there's also lots of instances in Texas where people will storm up into a bar or restaurant, brandishing a gun, waving it around, and they end up getting shot and killed on the spot without no chance to say no goodbye to nobody or nothing. And if that happened every time someone ran up in a building trying to steal watches, jewelry, and wallets, maybe it would stop. Maybe, maybe it would end. But it doesn't happen enough, in my opinion. It should happen more. But one thing that sends people over the top, and I realize we live in this strange world where almost everything's caught on camera. And so this has invoked more emotions in us than ever before. We we would read about someone getting shot or we would hear about it or we'd, the news anchors would talk about it, but we would never actually see real life shooting of, you know, someone who fears for their life, they pull out a gun, they shoot and kill someone in order to protect themselves or maybe the people around them too. And so now that we can see that, People have a weird emotion that, that tells them a certain way to react. And I don't know where this comes from, but it's there. And what happens is, well, first of all, let me back up. If you have, have ever been taught anything about self-defense or concealed carry uh, weapon classes, they teach you do not pull out your gun unless you're getting ready to shoot and kill someone. Be prepared to kill someone if you take your gun out. Don't take it out. If you're just going to try to threaten somebody, take it out when you're ready to fire it. And they also tell you that you keep pulling the trigger until you eliminate the threat, which means you kill, kill the dude or lady or whatever it is you're shooting at. And people don't understand this. And so whenever these videos come about, there will be someone who stops a robbery or stops an assault. They pull out a gun and they shoot the person. Well, what really bothers people which i find it so odd is that a lot of times they'll keep shooting right let's just say that they pop two shots and the guy he falls down he's on the ground and they'll just keep unloading the clip until they're out of bullets and it sucks to see that and no one no one should enjoy that if you get off on that if you like it if you have a thrill in seeing someone lay there and die then you should probably get help because it's not it's not something that we are wired to like or enjoy. And I would be fine if they would cut off these clips right before the trigger pulling happened. That, that wouldn't bother me one bit because I don't think it's good for people to see these situations and then impose their own judgments without thinking about what it would be like to be in that situation. But that's for another, another conversation. But one thing that really sets everyone off is when they just keep shooting. And if you go to the social medias where they post these videos, there's lots of comments that say things like, he didn't have to keep shooting. He didn't have to empty the clip. Three times would have been enough. And I just think to myself, why would you not? Why would you take a chance on this person 
possibly reaching for their gun or pulling another gun out of their pocket and turning it up and shooting at you. I think it's a good thing just to keep keep pulling the trigger until you know that they're dead. You shouldn't enjoy it. You shouldn't like it. You should probably want or need to get some help when it's all said and done, which is completely understandable. But there's no law against shooting dead bodies, okay? Whenever somebody's down and and they're dying, keep shooting. I know this is brutal. I hope no one ever has to encounter this. I never want to go through this. I don't wish it on anyone, okay? But if you're going to eliminate a threat, you need to make sure the threat is eliminated. And I'm not these military guys who wear all the tactical clothing and the black pistols and the gloves and the pins with the knife blades on them and everything's tactical and it's got patches on it and you got tactical harness for your dog and a tactical back. That's not me, okay? I'm just a regular dude. I don't like criminals. I don't like people who break the law. And I understand the necessity and making sure that they're dead if you are fighting for your life. Because once someone threatens your life, all bets are off. It's not, there is no longer, we have to follow the rules of only shooting people a certain number of times so that people on social media don't lose their mind. No, we don't have to follow those rules. When someone threatens your life, your life is threatened, and then it, it goes your life versus their life. One of them's got to go. And so I think it's important that people who, who see these types of videos on social media understand that that's just that's just how it goes right that's just how it goes and i would challenge them like you know if you think that that's how it should be carry your pistol and then if someone threatens you threatens your life or you think you are about to die to just only shoot them one or two times you don't need to keep shooting the body but really who cares he's either dead or he's gonna die and the sooner you can make that happen just the, the the better off everyone will be. Now, if you if you have you in your head like, well, I don't want to shoot someone until they die. I want to just blow off their kneecaps. Well, that's your own personal decision. But let's not hold other people to that standard. And this all stems from a couple of videos that I've seen. And one of them was a guy at a bar who was standing in close quarters with someone, and they got into a skirmish, and the the guy pulled a gun out of his pocket. And this dude that he was getting ready to point at or or shoot him, disarms him, flips the gun around, takes it out of his hand, and shoots the assailant until the gun clicks. And all the comments were just, I can't believe he just shot him so many times. I mean, the idea of being in that situation where you're forced to take a gun away from someone, turn it on them, and shoot them. The last thing I'd be thinking about was like, well, I don't want I don't want to shoot him too much. No. I would be thinking, I wish I had more clips because I want to make sure this guy's dead so that he does not do this to me or possibly someone else again in the future. So that's it. Nothing nothing else really than than my observation of how a lot of people react. And I would say it's probably 50-50, right? There's on these threads that I see, it's probably 50% guys like me and 50% people that are like think guns are bad, and they and they think, well, he didn't have to shoot them, <laughs> when, even though they had a gun pointed at their own face. So it's hard to take those kind of people seriously. But it's also worthy of noting that a lot of the comments lean that direction. And let me say this to my African-American or black brothers and sisters that think this is not your fight. 
Let me tell you something. After dark, we all look Mexican riding down the street. I don't look Mexican riding down the street. Well, maybe I do. There, there are some people who say that, <laughs> that my truck could be confused for a truck that's owned by a Mexican, and I'm okay with that because I like those kind of trucks. Okay, speaking of being okay with something, here's something that I'm not going to be okay with, I think. I'm making a prediction on here, and I want everyone to remember this so that one day, if it comes true, I'll say, I told you, I told you, I told you. And that prediction is that Senator Lindsey Graham, who from South Carolina, if you don't know Lindsey Graham, he's he's real feminine. He loves war, always talking about the Ukraine, going to war and war. He's been a warmonger from day one. He's buddies with Joe Biden. He calls himself a Republican, but he's not. He's not by my book. He's a. There's not really much conservative about him. I think he's corrupt. I think he's crooked. And I think he's part of the swamp, the, the John McCain, the Liz Cheney, the Joe Bidens, the people who have just had deep connections to politics their entire lives. And I think when that happens, you end up being corrupt. You end up, you end up becoming motivated to do things that benefit yourself and your family and your teammates more so than the country. And I think that this country is due for a political makeover. I hate to say it. But I would like to see the whole thing scrapped and started over again. Started all over. I mean, for crying out loud, we, we didn't even have electricity when we wrote the Constitution. Now, I'm not saying that we should just scrap the Constitution. Yeah, Brandon, the Constitution's been here forever and it's the backbone of our country. I know. I get it. I'm saying that we can revise it and improve it based on what things look like today. Because the Constitution was written based on the changes that our founding fathers wanted to make from the current government regime they were under. And so I think there would be nothing wrong with taking the Constitution, starting from scratch, not start from scratch, use it as a backbone, rewrite the fr framework, and go from there. It's never going to happen. It's all a fantasy pipe dream that I have unless someone ends up buying a country and and implementing it that way. But that's just a that's just a dream. It's not it's not going to happen. The reason I say that is because over time when I watch these politicians and I hear what they say and I do a little bit of digging on them and I just you know how you just get a a weird feeling about people because they don't act like humans and they say things that are not things that normal people would say and they don't live normal lives and they don't they don't understand what it's like for fuel prices to go up for the average working person. And I think we need to come up with some kind of way or some solution to get those guys into politics, which is what was happening whenever this country was founded. It wasn't the elites. It was it was people that may have had successful businesses and they may have been wealthy, but they didn't spend their entire lives in politics. Let's not fool anybody. Compared to today, when you've got someone like Joe Biden, who has literally been in politics for 50 years, he has never had any other real job. So how can you expect for the people that are supposed to govern people to identify with them? How do they know what's best? They've never experienced the same things as most people. So I'm going to start off with a clip of Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, 
I don't I don't know if he's gay or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. I sometimes think he is, but I'm not even I don't even care enough to Google it. It doesn't matter, but but I think he might be. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. So these people you don't know if they are or not, because whatever they say you don't know is true. But here's Lindsey Graham from twenty sixteen about the Ukraine. Your fight is our fight. Okay, let me start over. So this was him talking to the Ukrainians in 2016. All right? I'm just going to let you hear hear what he say. I may pause it. Don't get mad if I if I pause it. Your fight is our fight. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Why? Why are we going to push the case against Russia in 2016? Enough of a Russian aggression. Does anybody remember Russian aggression from 2016? Was it even the news cycle? It is time for them to pay a heavier price. I believe you will win. I am convinced. This is John McCain. You will win, and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. All right, so that was 2016. We got Lindsey Graham and John McCain, who has since passed away. God rest his soul. Um, the Republican Party did not need him anymore, but he's he's now gone in the in the happy hunting ground. Um, and so this is them telling Ukraine in 2016 that 2017 will be the year to beat Russia. Why? Why? Why are they so hard up to go to war and to fight Russia? And I don't know. I, those are the things that I w- we will never know unless some big scandal happens. But I think one day, my prediction is that one day it will come out that Lindsey Graham has deep, deep ties to Ukraine and probably intertwined with Biden. If I had to guess, you see, Lindsey Graham is one of these Republicans that's like, I don't want to make any waves and make anybody mad. I just want us all to get along and we'll pass policy that'll make us all rich and there's no need to fight one another. We can all just be friends. And here he is in 2023, just from uh, a couple days ago. And here's what I tell the American taxpayer in South Carolina. The reason I'm asking you to help Ukraine is because if we do not stop Putin here, he will keep going. He will keep going. He'll keep going and he'll do what? Okay. Lindsay. Well, he keep doing Lindsay. He'll keep going. He did. He, he invaded a territory of Ukraine that he said, hey, we had an agreement. You told me I could have this territory. You didn't uphold it. I didn't get it in writing. You're not willing to honor your word. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. That's all I want. All I want is this one territory of the Ukraine that you guys agreed to give me. And here's where it gets messy, is that the Ukraine had an opportunity to join NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Mm, I saw Joe Biden. North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And they didn't do it. So what should be the standard? Should we just should we just allocate hundreds of billions of dollars of resources to any country anytime they're at any threat from a surrounding country? Because we're not doing that to all the countries in Africa 
who are being persecuted by their neighbors. But we are doing it in the Ukraine, and there's got to be a reason for it. Now, here's Lindsey Graham talking about Biden probably doing nothing wrong with his classified documents. Now, why is he so quick to say he's innocent? What are your national security questions? I just, what was, you know, what are the same thing for Trump? I mean, why did you do it? Why what you were do the it? documents? The documents? How were they held? They Who had held? access to them? Um, let me just say this. I've known President Biden for a long time. I don't think there's, I'd be shocked if there's anything sinister here. Yeah, you think you'd be shocked? He's such a stand-up guy, Lindsey Graham. You don't think Lindsey Graham knows what Biden does behind closed doors? You don't think Lindsey Graham knows that Biden's the big guy and getting 10% of Hunter's deals? You don't think Lindsey Graham knows that Biden's um, executive assistant when he was office was was hired based on the recommendation of Hunter Biden in order to maintain documents and their security after he left office? You don't think Lindsey Graham knows all that? Hey, uh, one more time. Listen, listen to him talking about Biden. What are your national security questions? I just, what was, you know, what are, same thing for Trump. I mean, why did you do it? What were in the documents? How? You see how he's, what did you do it? Why was the documents? It's, it's like, it's like he's going through the notion, like you're asking a little toddler, who got in the cookies? Why did you put your hand there? Like, we're just going through the motions. I have to ask you. How were they held? Who had access to them? Um, let me just say this. I've known President Biden for a long time. I don't think there's... I'd be shocked if there's anything sinister here. Something's going to come out. Lindsey Graham is in bed with Ukraine and something's going to happen. In fact, let me just play you this little ad that I dug up. Well, I want to talk to the Trump supporters for a minute. What is Donald Trump's campaign about? He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. Religious bigot. And you know how you make America great again? Tell Donald Trump to go to hell. This is a Republican. This is a fellow Republican from the same party, which don't get me wrong. I'm not all about, uh, you know, partisan. Uh, what, is, what am I trying to think of? I'm not all about sticking with your party just for the sake of sticking with your party. I do think there should be pushback within the party. But man, if you can't admire Joe Biden as a person, that's probably you got a problem. <laughs> you need to do some self-evaluation because what's not to like? Should I show? Uh, should I show Lindsey Graham the the five-minute-long video montage of Joe Biden groping children and smelling their hair? Maybe that's something not to like. Maybe something not to like about Biden is how divisive he's become. How he instantly blames everything on racism and race, and how. He's willing to get down on his knees in front of a basketball team in order to show his solidarity and that he loves virtue signaling. He is as good a man as God ever created. He said some of the most incredibly heartfelt things that anybody could ever say to me. He's the nicest person I think I've ever met in politics. This is a defining moment in the future of the Republican Party. We have to reject this demagoguery, and if we don't reject Donald Trump, we've lost the moral authority, in my view, to govern this great nation. So this ad was brought to you by Republican Voters Against Trump. And you know what? I understand a lot of people don't like Trump. But 
if you look at the policy that he put into place and you look at what he did, you see, this ad had nothing to do with that. Had nothing to do with his bad policy. This ad was focused on him being a religious bigot and Joe Biden being a nice man. And what does that tell you? It tells you that they're going after people that don't understand policy. When you have two swamp creatures, Lindsey Graham and Joe Biden, that have been doing business together for 50 years, and an insider like Trump comes in there, and he throws a wrench in the entire system, what happens? What happens to all those deals you've been working on for all those years? They get shoved to the back because they don't... Uh, they don't have the right people in power to grease the wheels. And they don't like that. You see, these guys, they're not there to make America better. And I'm not saying Trump was necessarily. I'm saying that we need politicians who are there to make America better. A lot of these people are more concerned about their own well-being than the job they've been hired to do. Here is old mushy mouth uh, saying that we'll never send tanks and planes to the Ukraine. We will not fight the Third World War in Ukraine. What will you fight? Putin's war against Ukraine was never be a victory. You notice how he calls it Putin's war, not Russia's war, Putin's war. They're vilifying this guy. They're vilifying Putin. As nothing. When was the last time you heard of a war that was entitled of the name of the country leader? Was it Pol Pot's war? Was it Ho Chi Minh's war? Was it Saddam Hussein's war? No, it was the Iraq war. It was the Afghanistan war. It was the Vietnam war. It was the Korea war. It was World War II. And this is Putin's war. You, you think that's by accident? Democrats are rising to meet the moment, relying, r rallying the world on the side of peace and security. Easy for you to say. We're showing a strength and we'll never falter. But look, the idea, the idea that we're going to send in offensive equipment and have planes and tanks and trains uh, going in with American pilots and American crews, just understand, and uh, don't kid yourself, no matter what you all say, that's called World War III. Oh. Okay? Okay, got it. Got it. Remember, this was all mushy mouth right when the Ukraine war started. This is, this is right when it all started. Idea that we're going to send in offensive equipment and have planes and tanks and trains uh, going in with American pilots and American crews. Just understand. And, uh, don't kid yourself, no matter what you all say. No matter what you say, that's World War III, all right? So here's Biden this week. Today I'm announcing that the United States will be sending 31 Abram tanks to Ukraine, the equivalent of one Ukrainian battalion. Secretary Austin has recommended this step because it will enhance the Ukraine's capacity to defend its territory and achieve its strategic objectives. I cannot even understand it. His mouth is so mushy, he's impossible to understand. The Abrams tanks are the most capable tanks in the world. <clears throat> They're also extremely complex to operate and maintain. So we're also giving Ukraine the parts and equipment necessary to effectively oh, sustain these tanks on oh, the battlefield. Oh, good, good. The American contribution will be joined by an additional announcement, including that will be, uh, will be. He is just reading. He's literally trying his little hardest to read. He can't read too good these days, but he's trying to read. Be ready to available and more easily integrated for use in the battlefield in the coming weeks and months from other countries. I'm grateful to Chancellor Schultz for providing German Leopard 2 tanks and will lead an effort to organize a European contribution of two tank battalions for Ukraine. 
He's not even trying to sound like he's giving a speech. He's gotten so bad at being able to process thoughts and and put them out there verbally that he has to read and and he can't even look up at, from the teleprompter. He stares at it and regurgitates the words. And everyone's just okay with this. No pushback from the mainstream media. No criticism. Nothing. Just just an old creepy corpse pervert up there reading teleprompters that someone else has typed for them. And I know my blood pressure's high, but golly, how are we all just okay with this? I want to thank the Chancellor for his leadership and his steadfast commitment to our collective efforts to support Ukraine. Man, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I get so worked up. I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't care. I wish I didn't even know who was president. And I just wanted to play video games all day for a whole weekend and eat pizza. That's some sometimes that's what I wish. So there you have it. That's my that's my political in-depth rant. You know, it's all speculation. I've got the tinfoil hat on. I'm pretty much just a right-wing conspiracy theorist. And I am okay with that. These are just my opinions. My opinion, my official take is that one day the corruption will will surface. It may be after I'm dead. Who knows? But the corruption will surface. Lindsey Graham is part of the mix. They all got a lot of stuff going on in the Ukraine. And I also think that the whole Biden document situation is in order to prepare to shove him out of office right before the election because they understand, they have to know that there's no possible way he could go another four years. If you go back and listen to clips of him from three years ago, he actually sounds okay. That's Three years ago is when I started noticing he had a mental decline and he was having trouble putting words together. At that time, everyone told me I was crazy. They told me I was a conspiracy theorist. They told me that I was being biased because I was a Trump humper, which is completely false. I'm not a Trump humper, never will be. But either way, I had to defend myself. And now it's gotten so bad. They're about to push that man out of office. I don't know how it's going to go. It might be a gracious a gracious step down right around the time that Gavin Newsom announces he's going to run. I think that's probably going to be who they're going to put up. But I ain't for sure yet. But okay, I'm going to move on now. I just I had to I had to go off a little bit there. It all started making sense to me this week when Lindsey Graham was talking about constant support for Ukraine. And I went back and I found other clips from 2016. So, yeah, something's going on over there. They don't just have a big place in their heart for the fields of the Ukraine. But you know what? You know who Lindsey Graham kind of looks like to me? He kind of looks like a leprechaun. To me, it looks like a leprechaun to me. I got to do look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! That's a good one. That's a good one. The old uh, leprechaun in the tree. Mobile, Alabama. Or maybe, maybe he's a crackhead. You know, Hunter Biden's a crackhead. Crackhead got hold to the wrong stuff. Got a hold to the wrong stuff. Speaking of crackheads, I don't know if you've heard, but there was a, a little Pfizer scandal that happened over the course of this last week. I'm going to try to break it down and keep it simple because it's kind of going to lead into a, a bigger theory, a bigger conspiracy theory. All right, so... When conducting research for viruses, there's a couple different ways you can do it. One of those ways is called gain of function. 
What gain of function? You've probably heard the buzzword from little uh, what's his name? Oh, Ouchie Fauci, the little elf man. Gain of function means that you are you're basically teaching viruses how to how to adapt into a new host or a new environment and overcome the obstacles that are in its way. In which case would be the antibodies. And listen, I may be getting this stuff wrong. I don't know nothing about medical stuff. It's probably one of my weakest subjects, and I'm okay with admitting that. So if I mess it up, just don't worry about it. I'm just a stupid knuckle-dragon construction worker. So gain-of-function is kind of considered taboo by the science community because it can get out of hand. And if they have a virus that they've taught how to overcome obstacles and induce itself into a new host body, things could spiral out of control, which is one of the accusations that they were doing in Wuhan. They were giving the virus gain of function so that they could study it and it leaked out and it gained function in humans coming from bats or something like that. Okay, so that's what gain of function is. There's a company called Project Veritas and what they started out as is a company that got paid big money to dig up secrets for political opponents and they would they would research both sides and they would go dig up dirt on their political people's political opponents. They would sell that information. Well, They've kind of evolved into more of a whistleblower where they start now just searching for things that are valuable to the public and then putting them out there. So they've been known to set up, they will find executives from companies who they think are doing shady things and they'll set up like a tender date or some kind of a date that looks like they met someone online that's kind of, they're unassuming and they video the whole thing and they get them to spill facts and information that's incriminating about what they're doing and so this happened recently with Pfizer one of the research directors was set up to go on a date with someone from Project Veritas so the Pfizer guy went on the date with the dude from Project Veritas and the Pfizer guy had no idea what was happening and the Veritas guy knew the whole thing was a setup and it was all a trap and so They go on a date together, and the Project Veritas guy is asking questions to the Pfizer guy, leading him down the road of admitting that they're doing naughty things they're not supposed to be doing. And the guy from Pfizer even says things like, well, that's what we do, but we don't make it public. We don't want anyone to know. It's all a secret. He alluded to the fact that no one's supposed to know. And in fact, even at times, he said things like, what, are you like a a conservative researcher? trying to catch me do something <laughs> and the guy from project veritas like no 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 i'm just interested in this and he would go right back into divulging all the secrets well after the end of the date someone from project veritas came into the restaurant and showed the guy from pfizer the video and said hey would you like to comment on this well the pfizer guy started flipping out he was like no 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 this is fake this is not real i was lying i was just lying you could tell that he was worked up Now, have I gone and verified to make sure this was a Pfizer employee? Nope, I have not. I have heard that it is, but here's what's more concerning than the whole thing, because the whole thing turned into a big physical tussle where you had the the Project Veritas guy was being locked in the restaurant. The Pfizer guy was saying, don't let him out. The restaurant was telling the Project Veritas guy, you need to get out of here. He was like, I can't get out. The door's locked. You need to unlock the door. The Pfizer guy was saying, no, don't lock the, don't unlock the door. Keep him in here until the police come. He wanted to call the police. So it went on for like 10 minutes. It was a huge fiasco. 
And of course, people immediately came out and they said, oh, this is fake. This is fake news. This guy was didn't work for Pfizer. But the media, this is what strikes me odd. The only people who covered the case mainstream media-wise were Fox News. None of the other big journalistic outlets, CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, none of them said a word. Pfizer has not released a statement at all. They haven't said yes or no, this was an employee, this wasn't an employee, this employee was wrong, here's what we're doing. They haven't said a word. This has been like five days now. And in our current state of uh, hyper <laughs> hypersonic news cycles, it's been forever. Five days is forever. So what really, really strikes me as odd is that no one has covered it and no one's giving it any attention because they know that it can be buried. So what does that tell you? If it's if they want to bury it, if they do not want to address it, does that mean they're probably innocent? I don't know. Does it mean they're guilty? I don't know. Which is a more likely response if you were guilty? You wish you wouldn't talk about it. You would just let it go away. Because you don't have to talk if you don't want to. And if the mainstream media is not pressuring Pfizer to come out and talk, why would they? And why would the mainstream media pressure Pfizer to come out? Because remember, Pfizer was the mainstream media's biggest customer in 2020 and 2021. They bought so much ad space and so much airtime and so many commercials because, remember, everything was brought to you by Pfizer because the government was making it rain on Pfizer like a stripper in Vegas, okay? Pfizer now has all this money, and they're like, what am I going to do with all this money? We got so much money. What are you going to do with it? That's cool. We'll go buy ad advertisements. We'll go to all the mainstream media companies. We'll, we'll be their number one customer, and then if things come out, we're in charge. They will listen to us because all we have to do is threaten to pull our ads. And if you think about it, if you have a number one customer, and I don't know for a fact that Pfizer is your number one customer, but if you have a valuable customer who contributes a large chunk of money to your overall revenue for the year, you're going to listen to them. This is why the guy in Conroe, the brewer, was willing to not have the Kyle Rittenhouse event because his customers were pressuring him and he didn't like it. He was worried about losing money. So Pfizer has the power to go to these people and say, hey, do not talk about this. We don't want to address it. We're going to make it go away. We're going to do to this what we all did, what you guys all did to the Hunter Biden laptop story. We're going to do this the same way we did Joe Biden's documents. We're going to give it a bunch of time. We're not going to talk about it. and Maybe it will go away. If we have to address it, we'll pick a time when something big is happening We'll briefly address it, and hopefully the attention will shift back to a school shooting or something like that. So it's all starting to make sense to me. I see that this, you know, that we have an unprecedented, unprecedented amount of clarity these days and transparency. And the power, the, the transparency is being taken from the mainstream media because of people like Twitter and because of Substack and all these outlets who are giving independent journalists a way to communicate information and get to a large number of people. Because up until now, the mainstream media, they controlled the funnel. They had all the information come in that, that everyone else didn't have, and then they get to pick and choose what goes out. But today, because of the internet and the 
mobile web and Twitter and all the things that we have, people have the ability to reach lots of people without having tons of money. And so this is why mainstream media is on its way out. Mainstream media, the way that we know it, the big conglomerates of the Fox News, the CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, Newsmax, all these people that are funded by basically Hollywood. These are these are people that are, are funded by the Hollywood elites. These aren't people that have journalistic integrity. These are people that are chasing profits. So they're motivated to, to give us the things that make them profits. And when that becomes a threat, they won't do it. They're not going to give us the Pfizer story with the guy who met at the restaurant and disclosed a bunch of naughty secrets because that's their biggest customer. And that would be bad for profits. But when you got people like Matt Taibbi on Twitter who's willing to put it out there because he's got nothing to lose and only something to gain, people start taking notice. And I really hope that people can let go of their binary bias, their biases, their 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 tribal mentality of my team, your team, you know, and, and, and tying everything to one side of the political spectrum. I hope people can stop doing that because you'll see the people who defend Pfizer are the same people that were screaming to get your vaccine. Now, oddly enough, they're also the exact same people who were saying, screw Big Pharma three years ago. They hated Big Pharma, and now they're defending Pfizer because it's turned into a religion. Either you're with us or you're against us. And I don't mean like a deity or a, a religion that worships a god, but they are as emotionally tied to it as they are a religion. No matter how much statistics you can show them, they're not willing to change their point of view. And the only thing, the only thing that can save this is if we take the mainstream media out of the picture. If we take them away from having the ability to control the funnel and there's just information out there, things are going to feel different. I, I feel like they cannot be the same. We're moving past the point in our progress throughout humanity. We're moving past the point of being satisfied with five companies feeding us all of our news. And if you think about it, that's stupid. It's a stupid model. I just think back to like the 70s and 80s when there were three news outlets. There was only three of them. Imagine how manipulated we were when we only had three news outlets. And I, I do think that over time, journalism transformed from people wanted to provide journalistic integrity and honesty to people want to make money. And I'm not faulting that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have shifted because everyone needs to feed their kids. Everyone wants a nicer car. Everyone wants an extra vacation. So I'm not saying it was a bad thing. I'm saying it's something that we'll have to overcome. We'll have to figure out, okay, what's the solution for this? These media companies started chasing dollars, and they put that ahead of everything else. Well, that's their decision, but we have to figure out a way to get the truth out there and maintain that we're not being controlled by three or four different companies. And we will. We will do it. We're not rich like y'all. That's one thing y'all going to have to understand. But one day this year, we will be. Because we have Barack Obama. And that excites me. It excites me to think that one day we can trust. We can trust the journalism we get. Or we will have the ability to instantly fact check something and know what's real and what's not. 
And I don't want to rely on humans for that. I want to rely on artificial intelligence. I know. Call me a futurist. I'm okay with that. Speaking of artificial intelligence, I talked briefly about ChatGPT. I used it to write four things for me today. It wrote terms and conditions for our website, worldsbesthammocks.com. Hey, I forgot to plug that at the beginning. Go check out worldsbesthammocks.com. You're going to hear it again. Just wait. So I used ChatGPT to write our terms and conditions, which, you know, I don't know if you know, but if you go to a website and you scroll to the bottom, there's always buttons, and it's like terms and conditions, policy, all the things that really no one cares to see, but you have to have it on your website. So it wrote terms and conditions, um, our refund policy, our shipping policy, and something else. I can't remember. But I told it, I said, hey, write me a refund policy that includes this and this and that and excludes this. And it spit out. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So that's that's where we're headed. That will have the ability to, to look into claims and give us factual evidence. And hopefully the code will be open source. That way the general public can see it and they know where the data comes from and we can have a big algorithm that does the work for us. So. That's a chat GPT update, along with the Pfizer update, along with my opinion that one day mainstream media will come to an end. It, there will be there will be like a historic date. It will it will be like, well, friends, we're sad to announce that CNN is going out of business. After our 75 year run, we've decided that technology is shifting in a way that no longer creates value in our services. While we have appreciated your patronage over the last 75 years, it's time to say goodbye. And I will be standing by waving my pom-poms around, cheering, singing, na-na, na-na-na-na, eh-eh-eh, goodbye. I'm going to run a back hole and uproot that tree. I want to know where to go. I want to go. Give me the go. I want to go. I wanted to go too. I bought some gold this week, just for the record. For the record, I bought a little bit of gold. You might think about buying a little bit of gold too. Gold ain't going to make you rich anytime soon, but it will protect any money you have from devaluing because of inflation. And for my last and final redundant trick, I'm going to talk to you about this book that I just started called Factfulness. Man, it is right up my alley. I love this book so far. I don't want to give too much of it away, but it basically takes takes global statistics, at least so far. I'm about an eighth of the way through it. It takes global statistics and tests your ability to, to understand what's real and what's not. So there's lots of preconceived notions out there. There's lots of misconceptions about the world. And so this book takes a deep dive into what are the misconceptions about the world and where do they come from? And I suspect I know how the book's going to end, but I could not stop it last night. So what I'm going to do, there's a set of questions that they they pose in the book at the very beginning. And before I go over the results, I'm going to read you the questions and I'm going to give you a chance to think about it. Or you can push pause and think, but I'll give you a little time. But if you need more, just, just push pause, okay? And try to keep track of your score. I'm going to give you the right or wrong answer after the question. So I'm, I'm going to read the question. It's multiple choice, and then after that, I want you to answer it, and then just use your fingers to count the number ones you got right or wrong, okay? You don't have to count the wrong ones. Just 
put your little finger up in the air if you get one, and then two, three, four, so on, so on, okay? All right, the first question. In all low-income countries across the world today, how many girls finish primary school? Is that 20%, 40%, or 60%? So how many, what percentage of girls finish primary school in low-income countries around the world today? What's your answer? 20%, 40%, or 60 The answer is 60%. Did you get it right? Did you get it wrong? Keep track. Where does the majority of the world population live? Low-income countries, middle-income countries, or high-income countries? All right? Where does the majority of the world population live? Low-income countries, middle-income countries, high-income countries? The answer, middle-income countries. Next question. In the last 20 years, the proportion of world population living in extreme poverty has almost doubled, remained the less or the same, almost half. Okay, so in the last 20 years, the proportion of the world population living in extreme poverty, has it doubled, stayed the same, or been cut in half? The answer is C, been cut in half. All right. What's the life expectancy around the world today? 50 years, 60 years, or 70 years? Life expectancy around the world, 50 years, 60 years, or 70? The answer is C, 70 years. Next question. There are 2 billion children living in the world today, age 0 to 15 years old. How many children will there be in the year 2100? According to the UN, all right, I'm going to break it down. Two billion kids in the world today between the ages of 0 and 15. How many children will there be in 2100, according to the UN? So basically 80 years from now, we have 2 billion children in the world today, 0 to 15. How many children between 0 and 15 will we have 80 years from now? 4 billion, 3 billion, or 2 billion? So we have the same amount, a little more, or double. The answer is 2 billion. C. Next question. The UN predicts that by 2100, the world population will have increased by another 4 billion people. What is the main reason? There will be more children below the age of 15. There will be more adults, 15 to 74. There will be more very old people, 75 and older. All right. The answer, there will be more adults, age 15 to 74. Next question. How did the number of deaths per year from natural disasters change over the last 100 years? All right. The number of deaths from natural disasters over the last 100 years, has it more than doubled, remained the same, or been cut in half? The answer is cut in half. C. There are roughly 7 billion people in the world today. Where do they live? All right, this is kind of long. These answers are kind of tricky here, but listen listen if you can. One billion in the Americas, one billion in Europe, one billion in Africa, four billion in Australia and Asia. That's one answer. The next answer, B. The next answer is one billion in the Americas, one billion in Europe, two billion in Africa, three billion in Australia and Asia. And the final choice, two billion in the Americas, one billion in Europe, 1 billion in Africa, 3 billion 
in Australia and Asia? I know this is a tough one. But the answer is 1 billion in Americas, 1 billion in Europe, 1 billion in Africa, 4 billion in Australia and Asia. So basically, the answer is a majority of the people live in Australia and Asia. That's, that's, the, that's what this really means. Next question. How many of the world's one-year-old children today have been vaccinated against some disease? So how many of the world's kids, one year old or less, have been vaccinated against a disease of any kind? 20%, 50%, or 80%? The answer is 80%. Next question. Worldwide, 30-year-old men have spent 10 years in school on average. How many years have women of the same age spent in school? All right. Three years six years or nine years the answer is nine years next question in 1996 tigers giant pandas black rhinos were all listed as endangered how many of these three species are more critically endangered today so in 1996 tigers pandas and black rhinos were all listed as endangered of those three how many are still or more critically endangered today? Two of them, one of them, or none of them? The answer is none of them. Next question. How many people in the world have some access to electricity? 20%, 50%, or 80%? The answer is 80%. Actually, it's 85 Global climate experts believe that over the next 100 years, the average temperature will get warmer, remain the same, or get colder. The answer is get warmer. Okay, so how many of those questions did you get right? All right. The, the statistics on who gets how many questions right is stunning. The author of this book conducted this this series of questions to like i don't know a few hundred thousand people all over the world and he went to climate experts population experts demographic experts teachers doctors people who are considered to be specialists of any kind in that field related to any of these and what did he find what do you think he found when he he posed these 13 questions to people all over the world here's what he found that most people regardless of where they're from, get only two right, okay? Only two of those questions right. He, he gave some specific examples about Scandinavian teachers who everyone always says, oh, the best school is in the Scandinavia, but the, the Switzerland and the Holland. And, and so they average three right. The teachers of what, are the, what is supposed to be like the great school place on the whole planet. And so what he's figuring out is that people have such a bias that they are, their worldview is so skewed by media, they don't know. They don't, they don't know the statistics. Now, I'm going to brag a little bit on my own self because y'all think that I'm some fool who just gets manipulated by the media. I got 10 right. I got 10 out of 13. I'm not going to go into details about which ones, but I got 10. I got 10. How did you do? I want to know how you did.
And he said something that was hilarious to me. I laughed out loud when I saw this or heard it. He said, man, we have better results. We, we can take chimpanzees and let them pick the answers. And the randomized results that come from a chimpanzee are better. They're more likely to be more correct than humans are. Because if you think about it, each question only had three choices. So if you just guess, you know, randomly guess one every time, chances are you'll get four out of 13 right. That's a little under one in three. And that, uh, and <laughs> the humans get two right. So humans do worse than random. What is that? That is so crazy to me that we are so far off from what reality is that we're it's worse than random. And I haven't gotten too far into it yet, but I suspect that this is this is all going to stem back to the media. This is all going to stem back to their our sources of information. Not that they give us bad statistics, but because they are profitable by painting things in an extreme light. They create this scenario where there's this huge gap of poverty, that there's the first world and the third world, and there's developing world and the developed world, when really if you divide income into four levels, a majority of the world lives right in the middle. But because the the people who present to us things that they want us to read show us the extreme. They they figured out that we're willing to click something. We're more willing to click something if it invokes emotion towards one extreme or the other. Think about it. Dog bites man, no traction. Man bites dog, you're going to click on it. You will. You want to see what that is. And I feel that this is the same way. White man hits black person in face is way more clickbaity. It's people want to see that more than they want to see man hits man in face. And I and I don't mean that they want to see a black man get hit. I just mean that it makes them feel like this place is racist and they don't understand what's happening. And so a constant presentation of that that dramatic will eventually take hold and it will steer the way you think and it will control your biases. And it's impossible to be bias free, but we're wired to be on one of two teams. We're, we're wired to live in a binary world. And I think this probably stems back to our tribalism, right? If you, you're either with a tribe and you will fight every other tribe for your existence or you're against them, right? You don't, there's no, there's no alternative to my team, your team. It's like, no, we're the tribe who occupies this area. If you come here and you try to take our resources, we will kill you and you cannot take them. And I, I think that it must go back to that. And because that, as we progressed, we saw that people tend to pick one of two sides. And this is not the first time I've talked about this. But capitalizing on that nuance it just creates, it perpetuates. It makes it worse and worse and worse. And if you start to dig into statistics, you'll see the things about unarmed black men being shot by white cops is like 10 times per year of a million people who interact with the cops. But yet if you ask someone from another country, hey, are uh, what are the cops like in America? 
they will tell you that they're all extremely violent and that they're racist. And imagine being a cop. Imagine being a cop, a white cop, and you go to work every day, and you got no problem with black people. You don't, you don't necessarily dislike them, but you're told all day that you're a racist and that you're scared that if you handle someone too roughly, a criminal who happens to be black, if you handle them too roughly, you could lose your job or you'll have to go to court or someone could come do something to your family. Imagine that. You know what I would do? I would just quit. I would say, it's not worth it. It's not worth it because you people are treating me like something that I'm not. And you do not pay me enough to do that. So you know what? Here's the keys to your cop car. I'm going to go. And this this will happen eventually. Because the media is, is so dead set on pushing us to things that invoke our emotions. And as long as that keeps happening, nothing's going to change. And it will only get worse. And so my prediction is that one day police forces will kind of just fall apart. Uh, they, they will be known as being inefficient and worthless, kind of like the Social Security system or the VA, right? Any government-run program, you know that they're not efficient. And you know that you're better off going with the private route. And I think private security will start popping up because people still want things to be safe. They would rather pay someone directly than give it to the government when the government scrapes too much off the top and can't provide the people who demand safety the services they need. You've seen this in some other countries before. Typically, it's countries that are are poorer and the government cannot afford good police systems, so people hire their own security. I think that'll come probably in the next... Mm, 25 years you'll start seeing it more and more often maybe even sooner maybe 10 you know it'll start out with something that only the wealthy elites have and then there will be communities that go in and pitch in and form their own security forces and then we'll fight about whether or not they can carry guns and then we'll start saying well what about jails how do we how do we put them in jails and people will start making schools where you can go get certified to be a police officer you don't actually have to go through the police academy that's funded by the government. You go through a private entity. They'll have to obtain all sorts of licensing so the government knows who these police officers are and where they're going and what they're doing and what kind of car they're driving. And the government will end up being able to take their profits that they were taking and distributing them or, or, or being inefficient with them, and we will have a better service. Now, I don't prefer that. I prefer a strong police force that's well-funded and efficiently run by the government. But I prefer that only in an environment where it lacks corruption. So if you're going to give me the government police and corruption and inefficiency, I'm going to say no, I'll take the private. And that's where we are today. Just recently in Memphis, there was a guy who was beaten by five cops. Happened to be a black guy. The cops happened to be black. There are still people that are running around saying this is racism. And their pushback to that as well. The police department is so systemically racist that these black guys don't even know that they're racist and that they've been brainwashed by the police academy to be racist. And I just think to myself, are you saying that these guys are not capable of determining who they like based on their skin color? They're so gullible and they're so manipulated that they've forgotten who they are and where they came from and what it feels like to be black and to grow up in a black neighborhood. And, and they just forget all that. And they're like, I got to kill blackie. I'm going to kill darkie. 
like they're just reprogrammed. That is ridiculous if you ask me. And what could possibly be the solution, right? If you tell some, you know what I hear a lot? Well, lots of people are racist and they don't even know it. They don't know that they're racist. Okay. How am I supposed to fix it if I don't know it? And better yet, how do I know you're not racist? If you're sitting here telling me that people are racist and they don't know it, how could you not be one of those people? Or how could you guarantee that you're not the same way? I mean, imagine the arrogance of saying, well, you, you could be racist and you wouldn't know it because, well, you're just too stupid. But me, I know that I'm not racist and I, and I know that and you don't. Imagine the arrogance. I mean, th- that is some British colonialism king type stuff that, oh, the, the little peasants down there, they don't know the... The, the status of their own heart. They don't know that they're filled with hatred and rage. They're too stupid. But us, we are compassionate and caring and kind. Meanwhile, they're just sitting on piles of money while the peasants starve to death. So don't mess with me when it comes to words like that. Well, the body cam footage came out from uh, Pelosi's attacker. I mean... I don't even know what to say. I don't really care all that much. The whole thing is weird to me. Some dude smashed a window, broke into a house, was in there for like 15 minutes before the cops were called. Then the cops showed up, and the the dude, Paul Pelosi, answers the door in his underwear and a dress shirt and a cocktail glass in his hand at 2 o'clock in the morning. And the two dudes are standing next to each other, kind of talking, and then the the crazy guy wrestles the hammer away from Paul Pelosi and hits him on the head, and the cops jump on him. And I, I I don't know. Listen, I don't trust anything about these people. I don't think they're normal. I wouldn't be surprised if any nefarious activity was going on. Maybe the guy was just a crazy dude and broke in, and Paul Pelosi didn't hear him after he was bashing the windows and the doors for like three minutes. But either way, I don't care that much. I just find it odd the way the media treats this type of thing. It's becoming more fascinating to me to watch how the media presents something and then people's reaction to it than than trying to verify what's true or not. Because at this point, nothing surprises me. And like I've always said, if, if something doesn't surprise you, then you don't even need to know what's true or not, right? If you're, if you're based in your opinions and you feel like you've gotten enough data throughout the course of history and if you believe what you're getting if, unless everything you've been told is a lie and you're satisfied in the fact that the data that you're using to make your decision is real then the truth becomes irrelevant it doesn't matter i mean if if it came out that this was some crazy dude and it was all just like you know he smashed his way in pelosi didn't hear him and the cops came and it all went down normal, which the whole thing looks super strange. But let's just say it was a normal break and entering. For whatever reason, Pelosi dealt with him in a way that was completely abnormal. And the guy got hauled off. That doesn't change my opinion that the Pelosi's are not normal. It doesn't change It doesn't change the fact that I think that they're corrupt and that they do insider trading and that he's got some weird second life going on with a bunch of people. It, it doesn't change the fact that that stuff could be true. It doesn't change the fact that I think Nancy Pelosi is a witch and she's two-faced and she does things like 
go to hair salons and refuses to wear masks whenever she tells everyone else to wear a mask. Those types of things don't have an effect on my opinion if I were to learn that the breaking and entering was 100% legit. I still feel the same way about him. It would be very tough to convince me otherwise. I would have to meet Pelosi in person and have a pleasant experience with her. And I would ask her questions that would be so hard for her to answer, she'd probably want to walk away. But unfortunately, we don't have that kind of access. But I hope we do one day. I hope we do have the way to hold these people accountable to actually answer questions from people like us in a in a human way, not freaking robots. Happy birthday, dear Valley. Happy birthday to you. There you go, Joe. Nailed it. All right. I think that's going to do it for today. I may have rambled. I don't know. Sometimes I never know how these go. I just speak from my head, from my heart. And it'll probably get me canceled one day. And that's just gonna, this is how it's going to have to be. You know, I just, I got to be okay. I got to be okay with getting canceled. We out here on the fifth year highway with the whole white baby in the middle of the road. Road. And whether you believe it or not, I do appreciate you listening to Life in Paradise podcast, the only show on the interwebs that has nothing to do with the title. If you've ever thought about getting a hammock for your house, now is the time. You could go to www.worldsbesthammocks.com and get yourself a nice hammock that will last you a long, long time. Where else can you go and get the world's best anything for less than 400 bucks? Well, you can go to worldsbesthammocks.com, get a hammock, spend some time in it, think and look at statistics, and you'll thank me later. Hope everyone has a great week. I appreciate you listening to Life in Paris podcast. Like everyone to go out there, turn your back on Lindsey Graham. He's not a real human. He's a robot. Question everything when it comes to the Ukraine. Don't be afraid to pull the trigger until it clicks. Don't trust Big Pharma. You never should have to begin with. And learn statistics so that you can use them to not be persuaded by media outlets. Thanks again for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. Keep it tranquilo.